We're in Proverbs chapter 10 tonight and verse 23, and we'll try to expound upon that verse and give us a little bit to chew on for the rest of the week and hopefully not forget it. We learned last week that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and that it adds no sorrow Nothing is exchanged so that we may have it. It doesn't cost us anything. In fact, the blessing of the Lord, we learned, is cumulative. It adds to what we already have. Now tonight, we'll look at another verse. And this verse has two opposing types of people in it. The fool and the man of understanding. Let's read verse 23 together. If you're just joining us online, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 23. It is as sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. The first word we ought to deal with in this verse is the word sport. Because it has quite a different meaning today than it does in the original language. Last Sunday evening, millions, maybe hundreds of millions of people watched the Super Bowl. And the sport involved in that event is football. Many young people aspire to be professional football players when they grow up. Some want to be basketball players or baseball players. And each of these activities is lumped together into one category we call sports. The newspapers have the headlines and the weather, the advertisements, the comics, the crossword puzzle, the business page, and they have the sport page. And that was the one I read when I was a little boy, sports page in the comics. Then I realized neither one of those pay the light bills, so I better get wise to something else in the newspaper. But in our text, the Hebrew word for sport means laughter. And it also means to scorn or laugh to scorn. So that's the idea that this word carries in our text. And... That is the idea of mockery. In Job chapter 12, verse 4, the Hebrew word translated sport in our text is translated as two different words, really three, uh, two, two words, and one of them is in a phrase. And here it is. It says, I am as one mocked of his neighbor. Who calleth upon God, and he answereth him, The just, upright man is laughed to scorn. Now that word mocked and that phrase, laughed to scorn, are the same as the word sport in our text. And if you know anything about the book of Job, you will know that Job was in a dire strait. He was afflicted like few men could ever claim to have been afflicted on this earth, having lost all ten of his children in a storm, 
having lost all of his servants except for four, and his cattle, his sheep, and even his wife said, Dost thou still retain not integrity? Curse God and die. His wife's faithfulness was even uh, set to the side, if you will. So Job wasn't thinking about being a sport as a football player. He wasn't thinking about being a sport as in somebody who laughs, ha ha, funny. He said, I'm this one who is mocked or made sport of by my neighbor. The just upright man is made sport of, he's laughed to scorn. And that is quite a different way than how we use the word sport today. Can you imagine if the Dallas Morning News sports section was called the mockery section or the perhaps the section of scorn? Well, that wouldn't be worth reading, would it? So we want to get rid of the notion, as we often have to when we study the Bible, get rid of the notion that the fool in our text is just engaging in some type of horseplay because it is mockery to a fool to do mischief. Now let's look at the word fool, which we've studied before in Proverbs, and it means a stupid person or an arrogant person. And I think the word arrogant is a little easier for me to understand. And the arrogant person is not stupid in the way that he doesn't know anything. It's that he doesn't regard what he does know. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now that fool, as you and I know, could have a PhD in physics. Not a dull person by any means when it comes to intellectual pursuits. But when it comes to regarding God's word. He is dull to it. And most of the uses of the word fool or fools are found in Proverbs, by the way. So we learn a lot about fools by reading what is said about the results of their foolishness. I'll give you some phrases from selected passages in the Psalms, the Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes that describe the fool. And here's some of them. Their wealth is left to others. They hate knowledge. Their prosperity destroys them. That's why their wealth is left to others, isn't it? Their hearts proclaim foolishness. They despise their mothers. Their lips enter into contention. They love to argue. They trust their own hearts. What did Jeremiah say about the heart? Yeah. So when you hear someone say, well, I just go with my heart, they've just defined themselves as a fool. Think about that. Jeremiah said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it well the fool trusts in that desperately wicked heart they walk in darkness and anger rests 
in their bosom. And there are many other verses that describe the fool. But these verses should help you understand that foolishness is not funny. It's not entertaining. It's arrogant. It's destructive. And the fool never adds anything good to anyone. So it doesn't profit you to associate with a fool. Now let's look at another word in our text that we freely toss about in our day. In fact, we often use it in a lighthearted way when we describe the naughty things that young people do. It says, it is as sport to a fool to do mischief. That's the word, mischief. We say they are up to some kind of mischief as though it's not that serious. And once again, because of the difference in the way we use the word mischief and the way the Bible uses it, then we need to let the original language instruct us in the proper understanding of the word mischief in our text. In the Old Testament, 14 times the Hebrew word is actually translated as lewdness, L-E-W-D-N-E-S-S. That doesn't sound funny at all, does it? That's gross. We think of public lewdness, somebody doing a sexual act in a public place, that's against the law. In Texas, you can go to jail for that in probably every other state. One time, and this ought to grab you by the collar, one time the Hebrew word we have translated mischief is translated as the words heinous crime. Now you think about that when you think about mischief here in our text. That what this fool does in the eyes of God is a heinous crime. In fact, it's in Job 31 verses 9 through 11. Job 31 verses 9 through 11 where he said, If mine heart have been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind unto another, and let others bow down upon her, for this is an heinous crime. Yea, it is an iniquity to be punished by the judges. So Job describes this heinous crime, which in our text is called Mischief, as an iniquity that's to be punished by the judges. So to Job, this was not some playful indiscretion. It was serious business. Just like the mischief the fool does, the mischief of which he makes sport So we've looked at the words sport and fool and mischief. So let's put it all together. It is as mockery to a stupid, arrogant person to commit heinous crimes. There you go. That sounds pretty serious. That doesn't sound lighthearted at all, does it? This fool not only commits heinous crimes, but it's a laughing matter to him. That's what the sport is. That's what the mockery is. 
He's mocking something when he commits this mischief. Now, what is he mocking? He's mocking wisdom. He's mocking wisdom. And we'll look at the man of understanding in just a moment. But the thing that contrasts the fool and the man of understanding is wisdom. The man of understanding has it. The fool doesn't have it. And it's not because he can't get it. It's because he doesn't want it. He laughs at it. He mocks it. As Job says, the one who's upright is laughed to scorn. And you know who does the laughing? It's the fool. The fool laughs to scorn the upright man, the one who's upright in God's sight. Remember some of the verses I read you in describing the fool. The fool hates knowledge and understanding. In fact, he hates it so badly that he will commit mischief in order to mock wisdom. And in mocking wisdom, the fool mocks those who are wise. So when Job said, the upright man is laughed to scorn, it's not as much the man as it is the wisdom. When Jesus said that we would be persecuted, he said, you'll be persecuted for my name's sake. When they persecute you, they're actually persecuting me by persecuting you. That's what the devil does to God's people. One thing I noticed is that the text tells us what the fool does, but it doesn't tell us what he gains. And so I did a little reading, a lot of reading actually, on verses in the Old Testament that describe the fool because I wanted to see if there was anything the fool gains. And I saw that he never gains anything good at all. Everything the fool gains is bad. He gains much sorrow. He gains stripes. The rod is for the back of the fool, the Bible says. He gains destruction and poverty and shame and darkness and so on. And none of those are good. But the fool is so arrogant that he doesn't think any of those things will befall him or come his way. And therefore, for him to do mischief, it's a sport. He mocks that wisdom. You, as your parents, you have taught your children, probably when they were young, don't do that, you'll be sorry. And what did they usually do? They went and did it, didn't they? That because they didn't believe you when you said you'll be sorry. In their mind, it was so much fun. It looks like such a, a blast. Or it can't be that bad. I want to just try it one time, whatever it was. And some lessons we don't want our children to learn the hard way. I don't want them to learn that a 60-mile-an-hour vehicle that weighs 3,000 pounds has more kinetic energy than their body can absorb and still live. 
I don't want them to know that the delta V of 36 miles an hour is not survivable by the human body. I don't want them to know that. So I don't let them run in the street. I don't say, if you run out there, you'll be sorry. And then just see what they do. But there are other things we have to allow our children to choose to do. Like to obey you. So if you, if you don't mind me, you're going to be sorry. You're going to be in trouble. And so what do they do? Sometimes they mind you and sometimes they mock you. They mock you. They may not do this, but they mock you in disobeying you. They're mocking wisdom because a loving parent tells their children things to do and not do because we love them. We use the wisdom that God's given us. Sometimes the wisdom we have learned the hard way ourselves. But the fool grows up physically, but he still stays the child by his own choosing when it comes to wisdom. He remains a child in wisdom. He's a fool. Now let's look at the other side of this coin. It says back in verse 23, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. Now when you see the word but in the Bible or anywhere else, it's contrasting the idea, the character, the phrase, the sentence before it with the one after it. So we know just by looking at the grammatical construction of this verse that the fool and the man of understanding are not alike. The only thing they have in common is that they're flesh and blood. And the word understanding here we've seen several times in the Proverbs, and it, uh, it means discretion, and it also is translated as wisdom. Wisdom and understanding are very close, but our wisdom is also translated as a skillful man. How about that? Bet you didn't think that was in there, a skillful man. So it seems that wisdom is not just some random intelligence, but intelligence that is skillfully used because wisdom is also a skillful man. And the words understanding and wisdom are, are yoke fellows. They're like the words repentance and faith. You try to parse those two out. While they have slightly different meanings, they go right together. You repent toward God and have faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't say, well, I'm not going to repent toward God, but I'm going to have faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't work. Or I'm going to repent toward God, but I'm not going to have faith. Well, then you haven't repented. So don't let that get you confused if you're on the fence. Well, I have faith, but have I really repented? You've got the wrong idea about both. And the same with understanding and wisdom. Remember, God used Solomon to write this proverb. And if there was anything Solomon knew about, it was wisdom and understanding. If there was anything Solomon valued, it was wisdom and understanding. He valued it so much that out of all the things for which he could have asked God, he asked God for wisdom. In Second Chronicles chapter 1 and verse 10, Second Chronicles 1 and verse 10, when he prayed to the Lord, 
He said, give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? Now, if you'll notice, Solomon wasn't just asking for wisdom so he could know a lot of stuff. So maybe one day he could be a contestant on Jeopardy. He asked for wisdom with a purpose. And the purpose for receiving that wisdom was that it may be skillfully applied in judging the children of Israel. That's why he wanted wisdom. When I was a young man, I began learning Spanish. And initially, I took Spanish in junior high because my mother said, you need to take Spanish in junior high. And I really liked my teacher. She was also my Texas history teacher and U.S. history teacher the next year. And she was a fine teacher. She taught for over 50 years in the Lubbock Independent School District. And then I continued having really good Spanish teachers. And I went from being in the class because my mom said I needed to go to being in there because I enjoyed learning Spanish especially with my friends. And as an adult, I continued to develop my ability to speak, read, and write Spanish, not because my mom said I should, go, I should go to Spanish class, not because my friends were in there with me in college, but because I began to see a need for me to know Spanish, to help others who didn't who were trying to speak to someone who knew only Spanish. That's called translation. So I could help people who were non-Spanish speakers, if they spoke English, communicate with Spanish speakers and vice versa. So there was a need. And I could do both. Now, I'm not perfect at it. I'm not, I can't even speak English perfectly. So... How would I ever approach speaking Spanish perfectly? But I know enough that I can skillfully apply what I've learned and help others. That's what you do if you become a nurse. You learn your trade so that you can skillfully apply what you learn to help others. And that's the idea of the wisdom here. As Solomon wrote in our text that a man of understanding hath wisdom. And wisdom is a skillful man. But although the man of understanding hath wisdom, he does not hoard wisdom. Because the word wisdom implies that it is used skillfully. When God granted Solomon that wise and understanding heart, the very next thing Solomon did was have a trial, a civil trial between two harlots. One of the babies had died, had been overlaid and was suffocated and died. And the other baby was still alive and the two harlots were in disagreement over whose was who. And the mother of the dead child wanted the live one so badly. And she lied and so Solomon had to skillfully apply that wisdom and understanding that God just gave him. 
He was a man of understanding because God gave him understanding, and that's how you get it too. While we're all born with different abilities, different strengths, some pick up math quickly, others it takes a while, and others pick up reading. Some are really good with their hands and learn piano early or woodworking. We all have different abilities. But one thing that we're not born with is the wisdom of God. We have to learn that from His Word. It's not passed on to us genetically. We learn wisdom by God's Word. And Solomon was a man of wisdom because God gave him wisdom. Now, another thing I'd like for us to see is this. The text tells us what the fool does but it tells us what the man of understanding has. And having read some of the verses that describe the fool, we've seen much about what he does, but we've also seen that whatever he's had, he's lost, and whatever he's gained is bad. And therefore, what does he have? He has nothing. He does mischief, but he has nothing. Now, I know those are words, but that's just like a math equation, isn't it? He does mischief, but he has nothing. He does not have understanding by choice or knowledge or hope. He has no regard for his father's instruction, the Bible tells us. In fact, he doesn't even have the heart for it. Proverbs 18, verse 2, and if you're writing it down, put a little a. Proverbs 18, 2, little a, that means it's the first part of the verse. A fool hath no delight in understanding. So, if you think, man, if I could just have this person for a week, just me and him, me and her, and I could expound more perfectly the truths of God's Word, they would receive it because I've taken the time to explain it to them, not if they don't have the heart for it. If they don't have the heart for it, they won't receive it. There are people who've been in church, some faithfully, for decades and decades across this country and all over the world, and you would think, boy, now that lady or that man has a heart for understanding. And so many of them don't. They'll go to a church where God's word's not really preached. It's talked about. The Bible's swing around, swung around in the air and thumped and all sorts of things said about what the right translation is, but it's not ever taught. Or they can go under, sit under sound doctrine and just be oblivious to it. I don't know how somebody does that. But they don't have a heart. They don't have delight in understanding. And what our prayer is, is that what brings people here is God's word, but what keeps them here is God's word too. Because you, who have a delight in understanding, delight to be taught wisdom. Did you know that a person who has understanding has a delight in understanding? You continue to receive instruction in understanding, and you want some more and some more, you have delight in it. God's given you that. Otherwise, you'd reject understanding and be as 
the fool who mocks people who love understanding. I can promise you I could round up enough people in the place where I live and tell them, do you know what I did last night? And boy, they'd be on edge. Now, the ones who know me wouldn't. They know exactly where I went. You know what I did last night? Man, It was I had so much fun. You got to try this sometime. I drove 65 miles one way in 5 o'clock traffic to a little church down in Maybank that was about 10% full when I got there. And we had some people online join us, and I got to look at their names and their comments, and I got to preach God's Word to them. And we prayed together, and we exhorted one another, and then I went home. And you know what most of them would do? They'd look at me like, oh, I I thought you were going to tell me you went to a basketball game somewhere or that you... That you went fishing. No. Because as sad as it is, most people do not have a delight in understanding. And not only does the fool have no delight in understanding, he mocks understanding by doing mischief. And you may find yourself feeling pity for the fool, thinking that, If you'll just show him the right way, use the right words and phrases, you can win him over. Listen, if a fool rejects God's wisdom, he'll never accept your wisdom. He'll never accept your efforts. What did Jesus tell his disciples to do when they took that good news to someone's house and that person rejected it? Did he say, now you just hang out there and try your best and you know, bounce the ball to them and see if they'll bounce it back. And, and if they say this, then you say that. No, he said, you shake the dust off your feet for a testimony against them, and you go on your way. They don't have a delight for understanding. And if he makes sport to do mischief against God's word, you cannot hope to convince him by your own doings. You should pray for him. Because when you pray for the fool, you're putting the fool's condition in God's hands. You're saying, Lord, I know I can't talk this fool into believing your truth. But your spirit can move on his heart. That's the only way he's going to believe. No man can come unto me except the Father which sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day, Jesus said. But the fool's got to first seek wisdom. And have a heart for it. And that's a work that only God can do. And don't expect the fool to honor you if you are an understanding man or woman who has wisdom. Because you need to remember it's not so much you that he is mocking. He's mocking wisdom and wisdom is a person. Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And to the fool will be added sorrow because he has rejected the blessing of the Lord which maketh rich. But the man of understanding hath these riches because he has wisdom. And with that we'll close in prayer. Father, you're the author and the giver of all wisdom. And what we have, we have received from you. And we're so thankful for it. And we're thankful that we can 
come together on a night like this and open the book, the true book of wisdom, not the one the Catholics use, but the true book of wisdom, the word of God, and learn from it and be exhorted in the faith. And Father, we pray that as we go our ways this week, we'll not only not forget what we learn, but that we'll remember the teaching about being a person who has an understanding heart, being men and women of understanding who love wisdom, and to not worry about those around us who mock us, for indeed they're not mocking us, but the Lord Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.